Welcome to these Bible lessons on the Old Testament. In these lessons, we'll cover God's magnificent creation of all the world, including the creation of man, the crown of God's creation. We'll follow with the sad fall of man in paradise and the consequences this brought to the world. In the continuing lessons, we'll teach how God visits men with the revelation of His covenant of grace. When we travel together through the entire Old Testament, we see God visiting His nation of Israel with revelations of this covenant of grace, pointing constantly to the coming Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. We hope these lessons are a blessing to you. Thank you. Welcome to Lesson 13 in our Old Testament History Series. In this lesson, we will learn about Abram, who is declared righteous by faith. Follow along in your Bible in Genesis 15. Before we begin, I have two questions for you. What is your definition of the word impossible? The next time that you have a dark, clear night, Go outside and allow your, allow your eyes time to adjust to the darkness and then look up at the sky and try to count the number of stars, even in a small section of the sky. I think you'll agree with me that you will quickly find that it is impossible to count the number of stars. When's the last time that you have made a promise with someone? Did you shake hands to... Tell that other person that you were really serious and you were really serious about keeping that promise? In our story today, we're going to learn about a ceremony that confirms a promise that God made to Abram. Today we might shake hands, but at that time it pleased God to use a different ceremony. We join our story here as Abram leaves Melchizedek. And he returns further south toward Hebron and the oak trees there. And he comes closer to his tents. And he's greeted by his wife, Sarai. Abram thinks, it's been ten years since I've left Haran. I've faced failure in Egypt. I've rescued Lot. But Lot has left me and gone off and lived in Sodom again. And I still have no children. He fears that the kings he has just defeated are going to plan a, an, a revenge attack on him. Indeed, the promise of a future seed and the promise of a future land probably seems quite dim to him right now. But yet the word of the Lord comes to Abram. Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. The Lord comes to Abram and it's as if he says, I know your doubts and fears, Abram. Don't fear the revenge of these kings. I am going to care for you. You'll be kept safe. God is like a shield to protect him. God also says, I am not only the one who rewards you, but I am the reward itself, Abram. 
The shield here is a picture of how God defends his people and his church. God is a sun and a shield to those who love him. You can read that in Psalm 84, verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Abram responds to God and he says, Lord, I believe. I believe this promise, but how is it going to happen? I'm so old. Is it possible, Lord, that I'm going to have to give all my possessions to one of my servants? Is that the way it'll be? God gives him an immediate reply and he says, No, Abram, it will not be a servant to whom you give all your possessions. It will be your own son. And he brings Abram outside and he says, look up at the sky. Count the stars if you can. That's how large your family will be. You will not be able to number them. Abram knows this and he believes it. He also knows his age. He knows he's old. He he knows Sarah's old. But he believes this promise from the Lord. And the Lord counted it to him for righteousness when Abram believed in the Lord. How can that be? We've seen examples where Abram is quite unrighteous. But from God's side, it was a little different. He saw Abram as if he was righteous because Abram believed in this promise and knew that God was faithful to keep this promise. God says to Abram, I brought you out of the Ur of the Chaldees to give you this land. It's as if God is saying, I am not a God who starts something and then leaves it unfinished. No, what I promise, I for sure will bring to pass. I will not leave my promise unfulfilled. Abram again has a question. How do I know, Lord, that I will inherit this land? And then Abram is privileged by the Lord with a clear and unmistakable ceremony that confirms this promise that he has already been given. He receives a promise of what the future of his family will look like and when they will enter Canaan. Abram is told at this time to take a heifer, a goat, a ram, and also a turtle dove and a pigeon. He is instructed to cut the animals, except the birds, in half and to lay the parts opposite of each other with a pathway in between. Abram would have recognized this as an Eastern custom of what is called cutting a covenant. It would be our, today we would shake hands to seal this agreement but at this time, it was, it was custom for them to seal an agreement by cutting a covenant like this. And then both parties would walk between the parts of the animals. Today, they would shake hands. It pleased God to enter into a covenant this way with Abram, in a way that Abram would recognize as familiar. So Abram obeys, he cuts the animals in half, and he lays the part opposite of each other. And he waits all day. He is required to chase away birds of prey that come to feed on the carcasses. And then a deep sleep fell upon him. 
Abram is prepared at that time to reverently receive whatever sign God is pleased to send to him. Read what happens next in verses 13 through 16. God begins and says, know of a surety. He says, know for sure, Abram, know for sure. He says, your family will be persecuted. They will be strangers in Egypt. There they will be slaves. They are going to be slaves of the Egyptians. They are going to be made to suffer at the hands of the Egyptians. The Egyptians are going to be cruel to them for 400 years. And God says, I will punish those that afflict your family. And then when you leave Egypt, your family is going to leave Egypt richer than they have ever been before. And they'll return to Canaan and I will give them this land. But I won't give them the land until the Canaanites have had time to repent of their sins against me. Abram has also promised a quiet and a peaceful death and burial before all this will happen. At this time, Abram is not invited to walk between the animal parts. It's God's promise to Abram. It's a one-sided covenant. Today, we would say that someone would shake hands with themselves in order to seal this agreement. And as Abram looks there between the animal parts, he sees a smoking furnace and a burning lamp go between the animal parts. God's presence goes between the animal parts. The smoking furnace is a picture of the affliction that Abram's family would, would receive in Egypt. Affliction is sometimes called an iron furnace or a furnace of affliction. It would be difficult for Abram's family to imagine ever coming out from under this cruel treatment in Egypt. The second thing that Abram sees go between the animal parts is a burning lamp. So there will be comfort in this affliction. We can read in Isaiah 62 verse 1 how salvation is compared to a lamp that burneth. So even in Egypt, God is not going to completely leave his people. Near the end of the chapter, we see more details about the boundaries and the people of the, that will inhabit this land that will be given to Abram's family. At this time, we should pause in our story and, and think about what, what is the connection to us today? What lessons are there for us to learn? What can we learn about who God is and what he does? The first thing we can learn is that the promise given to Abram is a pattern of the promises given to all believers. Abram is given a promise of a future promised seed and a promised land. And so believers are also given a promised blessing of a Christ and a heaven. So there is a pattern between the promise given to Abram and the promises given to all believers. Aside from this pattern that the promise to Abram serves, we can also learn a few things about who God is. God is a patient God. He expects Abram 
to be patient. He expects Abram's family to be patient for 400 years. He says they're going to be in Egypt and suffer, but I will deliver them. God is also patient because he allows time for the people in Canaan who were wicked sinners to repent of their wickedness. You can see that Abram's family will not be allowed to come into the land of Canaan until the iniquity of the Amorites is full. We can see something else about who God is. God is the source of all security. Read that in Genesis 15, verse 1, where God says, I am thy shield. God protects and gives strength to his people, to his church. We can also read that God is faithful. God is perfectly loyal to his name, to his character, and to his word. He says, I brought you out of the Ur of the Chaldees to give you this land, and I for sure will give it. I will not allow my promise to go unfulfilled. The third thing we should do is to take a closer look at one of these verses. And that's Genesis 15, verse 6. That verse reads, And he, Abram, believed in the Lord, and he, the Lord, counted it to him for righteousness. Memorize this text. Books have been written about the simple truths that are packed into this text. We will only have a simple explanation right now. Let's look at the first part. Abram believed in the Lord. Abram knew that he was unable to be a father at this time, and yet he trusted God to fulfill his promise by his divine power. You can read more about that in Romans 4, verse 18 through 21. The trust and faith that Abraham showed in God here had at its base, Abram's look to a future savior. Abram was given some special insight here into the coming Messiah. How do we know this? Well, the Lord Jesus tells us and his listeners in the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 56, he says to these people listening to him and us reading his word, he says, Your father Abram rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. So Abram must have been privileged with some sort of special insight about the future Messiah. Let's look at the second part of that text. And he counted it to him for righteousness. So God pronounces Abram to be righteous. So that means the relationship changed between God and Abram. From Abram being a sinner to Abram being saved. The relationship between Abram and God was made right again. And so believers... All believers are justified or pronounced righteous in God's sight by faith only, not by works or any good deeds they can do. You can read that in Romans 4 verse 5. There it says, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifies or pronounces righteous. So, 
that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. How is God able to do this? How is God able to take an unrighteous sinner and declare them righteous? Well, the Lord Jesus made it possible for sinners to be righteous in God's sight. The Lord Jesus paid the price for sin. He paid the price through his death on the cross. Abram didn't work or do something to earn it. It was a free gift from God to Abram. Read along with me in Romans 1 verse 17, where it says, the just shall live by faith. Also read in Ephesians 2 verses 8 through 9. There it says, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast about it. And so we see, wrapped up in this text, that Abram believed in the Lord, and the Lord counted it to him for righteousness. This story, then, has a message for us of eternal importance. In conclusion, we have seen a personal encounter here between God and Abram, where God comforts Abram with the promise to protect him, to be his shield. The purpose of that is so that he will receive a son and that his family will receive a promised land and that there will be a promised seed born in the future, the future Messiah. Abram believed God. He looks forward and ahead to the future arrival of the Lord Jesus with joy. In the next lesson, we are going to learn about not one, but two sons of Abram.